Hey, welcome to the Change Podcast. My name's Brent, and I'm so excited about today. I have a good friend of mine, uh, Jordan Mendoza, and uh, I've known Jordan for a couple of years. We've we've had some some business endeavors together, and gotten a chance to get to know each other pretty well. And today, we're we're talking about some other things that are vastly more important, and it's going to be uh, in the space of change. And so, Jordan, thank you for being here today. I'm so excited that you're here. This is going to be such a fun time, and I'm so excited about how people are going to be blessed hearing about you. Would you just go ahead and open up with the encounter that left you changed? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, um, thanks so much for the opportunity. I'm excited to yeah. be able to share, and I'd love to kind of give a little bit of a like backstory, origin story, if you will. If that's let's okay. do it. I think let's, this, yeah, this let's do it. Value to people, so. Uh, so I was actually grew up in the Pacific Northwest, and my mom uh, was actually um, born with one lung. And uh, I like to really share this story because she's probably the biggest person that encouraged me and that inspired me before she passed around 12 years ago. And and uh, and you know, yes, it's sad that she passed, but when you kind of hear what she went through, you'll say, "Wow, she lived a pretty rich life." And so she was born in the 50s with one lung. The doctors told my grandmother they said, "Hey." You know, she's probably not going to live to 18. She's definitely not going to be able to have any kids. And, you know, that was kind of the hands that she was dealt back then. They were just kind of like, you know, just toss you out. And this is what life's going to look like. And uh, my mom was a fighter, though. You know, she uh, uh, didn't really start using oxygen until her probably in her uh, 30s, which was crazy being on one lung. Uh, and it was because, you know, we, we actually got these birds when I was a kid and and she actually got sick from the, the feathers. And then that made her have to use oxygen but you know she couldn't really ever work so she was a big hustler like she would go to the dog races she would play bingo she figured out ways to support our family and you know we were we were poor i mean food stamps you know government cheese i mean hand-me-downs i mean that, that was really how i grew, grew up and we did not have a lot it was very humble beginnings and you know i had a stepdad who was an alcoholic and uh, for anyone, you know, tuning into this, if if you know anyone that's dealt with alcoholism, it, it can get pretty heavy and pretty dark. And um, I witnessed him throw a beer can and cut my mom's head open when I was a kid. I witnessed him, you know, being abusive and wrecking our cars and going to jail. And, um, you know, I think one, you know, a very firm Holy Spirit moment and an encounter with Christ came when I was, we were sitting in front of a grocery store one day and uh, my stepdad was in the passenger seat and my mom was in the driver's seat. And it was one of those times when he was, you know, getting abusive. And I, uh, for whatever reason, it was just that there, something came within me and I grabbed her, her oxygen uh, cord and I wrapped it around my stepdad's neck and I pulled him back. And I said, if you ever lay a hand on her again, I will kill you. Like, I'm not going to stand for this anymore. And uh, since that, like, he never hit her again after that, you know, and, and again, at a kid that's very young, that's not a very natural thing uh, to do. And, and and I was, you know, at that age, I was going to uh, a Pentecostal church. It was an Assembly of God church, actually, in Portland. Yeah. My, my mom was Catholic. My dad, I actually didn't meet till I was 12. He was also Catholic. And, uh, but she, for some reason said, you know what, let's let them go. You know, your friends go to this church. Let's put you on the church van and let's get you guys to church. And so, um, you know, I got to witness, uh, you know, the, the Holy spirit, I got to feel it. I got to go to these camps. I was part of the Christian, uh, Cub Scouts, which was the Royal Rangers. You know, I got to kind of experience the, the great outdoors in the state of Oregon. And, 
And, uh, and so I, I really credit my mom, even though she still would like have us go to mass sometimes and would make us sit through the painful, what they called Sunday school. And it was definitely not the Sunday school I remember from my other church. And, but I did that, you know, just to show her, Hey, like, we're going to go and support you on this. And, and I just love the fact that she let us go, let us go to church, let us go to youth group because, um, you know, fast forward when I was in high school, there were some uh, really awesome things that came from that. I started going to a church called the Bible Temple in Portland, Oregon. And um, then we did this thing called Generation Unleashed, which was a big youth movement. And, you know, I was getting radically changed. You know, I, I you know, got the gift of the spirit and I learned how to speak in tongues. And I just saw some super radical things happening, you know, and, and uh, I was in a play called Eternity. And it was all about showing people what happens, like when you go to hell and we had a pit and we pull people in. It was this big drama thing. And, and wow. I remember I remember one of my character was uh, was a demon and there was a guy that played Satan. And when I tell you there's some spiritual warfare that happens when you're doing a play like that in church, even though the context is to like save people. Right. That the context is how do we get people to salvation by showing them try to be as realistic as we can of what literally it looks like when you're getting dragged and pulled down to hell. And so we had these prayer meetings, man, and we had to pray. We had to pray hard because even the guy that portrayed the devil, he yeah. would actually start getting a little mean. And so it, it, it was one of those things like at 17 years old, you're, you're encountering this stuff and you're doing all this. And man, like it got real and it changed me into the sense that I went and got baptized again. I was like, like, I want to get baptized again, and, and I want to, you know, proclaim, proclaim this, my faith, you know, in front of all these people. And, and so that was pretty cool to experience as a teenager, you wow. know. And, um, and so, you know, if you kind of look at my life, though, I've had a bunch of pivotal moments, you know. And in fourth grade, uh, this is how I know, you know, there's a good God, like fourth grade picnic. Um, we're at the park, and you know, I'm up to bat, and I swing this bat. It flies out of my hands like like you do when you're terrible at baseball, and I run over to this Douglas fir tree, and I stand up, and when I do, there's a beehive on my head. I'm literally getting stung by bees everywhere. I'm running. I do somersaults trying to get the dang <laughs> things off me. Kids are running away. There's a trail of bees following me, and the good teachers grab these coolers, and they dumped them on my head, and they started picking bees off. I got stung 50 three bees brents in fourth grade oh my gosh and that's, that's how crazy. i thought i wasn't allergic so that's when i knew i was like hmm maybe i'm maybe i'm here for some some purpose right like when that, you have an experience like that that happens it in fourth grade it's like okay there i'm here for some reason right you hear that you have a purpose and in, in church and you know, as a kid like sunday school you hear all these things that you're called and and so i was kind of like thinking about that like why why me there's people that get stung by one bee and they're gone like literally yeah. gone within an hour and I got stung by 53 of these dang things and I'm still kicking for some reason. Right. And then you fast forward at 12, you know, we, we had, uh, moved probably 14 times Brent from birth to 14. I think it was getting evicted. Like we couldn't afford the place. We'd go to the next place, but we moved a lot. And in the summer between seventh and eighth grade, uh, or sixth and seventh grade, we moved to a couple towns away. I mean, it was, it was so far. I had to take two public buses to get to my actual middle school at 12. Wow. At 12, I'm doing this, right? So one day I'm, I'm at the 7-Eleven. This is the place that I went. I would stop. I would have my two quarters. I would put them in, play Mortal Kombat 2. I was always Baraka, just you know, killing people on the game, you know? 
And one day I was playing Mortal Kombat 2 and the bell rang like somebody had walked in. And I heard a, a, a man's voice say, hey, Daniel. And I'm Jordan, so I just naturally keep playing the game. And before I knew it, my body was literally lifted in the air. I was shoved against the Terminator 2 pinball machine. It's the one that had the, you pull the trigger. That gun hit my, hit my ribs. I was thrown on the ground. I was punched several times. And I was handcuffed and thrown in the back of a cop car at 12. And my only saving grace is that I knew that I wasn't great at school, guys. I was pretty terrible. I didn't focus. I got ADHD and probably a lot of other letters, right? And so I, I, but I knew that night before I did, I did my homework because my mom was like ragging on me, like, make sure you do your homework. And so I said, sir, I'm not Daniel. My name is Jordan Mendoza. If you reach in my pocket, I have my homework. And man, I tell you, when he reached down into that pocket, he pulls out this crumpled piece of homework and it said Jordan Mendoza. I mean, he knew he screwed up at that point because they were going after a Hispanic runaway. A, I'm not Hispanic. You know, my last name is Mendoza, but my dad's from the Philippines. Um, B, I was not a runaway. The lady in the store was even like, don't, like, what are you doing? I know this kid. He's here every day. I know his mom. And they, they just cussed her out. And long story short, they ended up getting fired, losing their jobs. My mom wanted to sue the crap out of them. But again, there was something inside of me, even at 12, that said the right thing to do is they, they definitely should not have a job. And I just wanted to move on with my life. I didn't want this whole thing to, to get blown out of proportion. Um, but, you know, in the natural, you know, as my mom, I'm sure she was like, hey, this is my son. Like, you can't, you know, just treat people like this is this is racial profiling. This is police brutality. And. You know, I think about today, what if that happened today? I'd probably be shot. Like I'd probably, you know, I'd probably wouldn't have made it out of there. So again, that was another encounter that happened that I went through and I experienced and I've grown from, man. right? Um, yeah. And then the, the third one, man, happened at 19. So I was in sales forever. I've sold everything from, you know, coupon books to newspapers, to, uh, to, to telemarketing. I've really sold, I've sold it all. And I was doing sales for a direct marketing agency and we were, uh, down in California at the time because I had moved from Portland to Seattle to the Bay Area, and we were going to go open an office in New Jersey. And so we decided to take the scenic route. We were kind of driving zigzagging up, and we end up in Wyoming. And it was about 4 a.m., uh, 4.15, something like that. I had fallen asleep, and the driver, my buddy Jeremy, uh, he's driving a Chevy King Cab truck He's the driver. There's two people next to him, and I'm in the back face sideways because we're moving across country. We've got boxes everywhere, and he ends up falling asleep at the wheel. He actually, instead of hitting the brakes, he hits a gas when he wakes up, overcorrects. We slide at north of 70 miles an hour, flip, boom, 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 and hit the ground. And I remember yelling, holy crap, three times, and then, boom, the truck hit the ground. And uh, I had no idea I was even injured. The adrenaline was going crazy. Uh, we look in the front seat. Our buddy's gone. He literally flew through the windshield. He landed 25 yards from where the truck landed. I get out. We're searching for him. And uh, we found him. And he literally stands up like a zombie and then falls back down again. And he luckily, there were two off-duty EMTs that just happened to be, happened to be passing by from a conference in Colorado. We know. We really know what that is, and and that was our saving grace because uh, after a few minutes, I started to smell this really weird irony smell, and I reached my right hand down on my right leg, and it went in about a fist deep. I had a cut about a fist deep. 
I was losing pints of blood. I had an eight inch cut on my left leg. They found a heat blanket, put it on me. I got rushed to Rollins, Wyoming, had to have laser surgery. They said I may not be able to walk. And when I tell you guys, like I was pretty athletic as a kid. I played 12 years of soccer. I played 12 years of baseball. I was a break dancer. When they said that, I was so motivated. I was like, there is no way I'm not going to be able to walk. Like, yeah. and, and there was prayer involved, and I had a whole church of people praying for me back in Portland. And when I tell you I made a six-month recovery, and at 42 years old, I'm still breakdancing, and I have zero ailments from that accident, you can't tell me there's not a God. <laughs> you can't tell me <laughs> yeah. that, that we don't have the ultimate healer. And so, you know, I look at all these moments and I look at these circumstances in the situations and they only scratch the surface of how good God is. Because if you yeah. fast forward, right, I'm 21 years old. I move out to Atlanta. I work for a sales company. I meet my beautiful wife. We've been together now 20 years at this company. And she had a tough childhood. There were situations that happened that, that are even hard to even say when she was a kid. And the doctors basically told her like, hey. There's damage and you're not going to be able to have any kids. And so she told me that and we were together dating and I was heartbroken for her because I wanted to have children. And so, you know, we started dating. Things got a little hot and heavy and all of a sudden she was pregnant. <laughs> she was she got pregnant. And so I was like, what about this no kid stuff, Natalie? Like, what's going on here? And she's like, no, that's literally what the doctors told me is like it would be very hard to conceive based on what happened. And then, so we were getting a little excited about it now, and we were going to have this new life coming to the world. And then she had a miscarriage. Hmm. Man, you, you want to talk about devastation. You want to talk about the twinkle in your eye disappearing. And that was very, very hard for us. And I remember us like sobbing together. And, you know, we went from not supposed to have kids to now it's a possibility. And then it went away. And man, that was tough. And, you know, I think by the grace of God and, you know, going to church and healing, uh, we, we found out about five months later she was pregnant again. And now that child is 19 years old. He just left to go to the Philippines. He's in the Philippines for a month. He's a high school graduate, right? And that's the fruit that came from child number one. But God's got a funny sense of humor, Brent, because he didn't stop there. We actually have three boys. We've got two girls. We've got five miracle babies. We're five in the positive, baby, right? She wasn't supposed yeah, to have awesome. any. We've got five. Uh, all amazing kids, all different personalities, and we couldn't be more blessed. I mean, you know, my mom wasn't supposed to have kids. She ended up having five boys. We are now 10 positive children for the kingdom of God. Amen. Right. I mean, how awesome is that? So awesome. That we can look at life and we look at these situations and all you can say is, but God, you know, all you can say is he is so good. He redeems all. He can change your circumstance. Uh, and it's just been so amazing to kind of witness this stuff. And I'd love to share just one more quick story. And this is yeah. something that, that happened back in 2011. And uh, yeah, let's do it. my mom was still alive at this time. And and uh, this is actually about six months before she passed away. We were helping like launch this church. It was called C3 in the city. We go to a church called C3 here in Atlanta. And we've got 600 churches across the world started in Australia. And we were doing one of those kind of startup city churches. Like, let's see if we can get people to go. It was, it was kind of like a little satellite place. And and there was a preacher that came. His name is Gordon Moore. And, and uh, I remember me and my wife, we've got our, our young kids and um, I think our our third child was a baby at the time. And, and I remember he gave me this word and he said, you are going to be a leader globally. 
Okay. Now, mind you, at this time I was in property management. I was literally managing apartments. <laughs> okay. So my head is nowhere around doing anything around the world. Does that make sense? Like I'm just this department yeah. guy. And so he tells me this and he says, yeah, you're going to be a leader among people. You're going to travel the world. You're going to have a home that's better than the one that you think. I mean, he just starts instilling this word into me. And, you know, you fast forward uh, literally 10 or 11 years after that, uh, I went to in January of 23. Uh, I had started. Well, let's f rewind in February or March of 22. I, I get a DM on LinkedIn. OK, from this lady in Belgium, this random lady. I didn't know who she was in Belgium. And she had read a post on LinkedIn that I posted about the car accident. And she said, I literally comment on one post a year. I commented on yours. It resonated with me so much that you'd share something so personal that you experienced. It just told me a lot about your character. And I read your profile about property management and about social media. And I think you might be able to help with the project. Okay. So that was the DM that came on LinkedIn in 2022. And you fast forward now, two years later, uh, not only did I consult for them, but I flew out to Europe, to France in January. They took me like on a smoothie Eiffel Tower tour and I got to kind of explore that part of Europe. And then I traveled for five days across Belgium and then I went to the Netherlands and uh, I did all that. And they paid for that whole experience to basically kind of vet me. And now you fast forward to we're in January of 24. So a year later, I'm now the third largest shareholder in the company. I'm on the board of directors and um, I've now been to Europe. I went to Europe three times in 2023 and never been there before. And so that prophetic word, 11 years earlier, all that stuff starting to come to fruition. And the house that wow. we got the second time we moved to Georgia was better than the first. I mean, you can't you can't tell me that's not God. So awesome, man. I love it. So good. Another powerful you know, thing. I, I do yeah. want to share one more thing because I, I, do I, don't it, yeah. want, I don't want this to be missed. So we had some conflict, me and the, the founder out in Europe, we had some conflict before I went this last November. It's going to happen, right? You've got your oceans apart. There's language barriers. There's cultural differences. There's all this stuff. And, you know, we're stressed out. I mean, there's stuff going on. We got families. We got all this stuff. And, and man, I remember just praying like, hey, like send send the angels ahead of me, send them ahead of me so that so that they go before I go. You know, like I want I want that this experience to already have happened before I even make it there. And I was sitting in in the Airbnb, and it was cloudy, it was stormy, and I just put on some worship music. I put on Hillsong Oceans, and oh, yeah. I just I just start worshiping in this Airbnb. Tears were just coming out of my eyes. I just felt I invited the Holy Spirit in. I felt the Holy Spirit. And I kid you not, when I looked out that window, the clouds started to part and the sun came out. And I knew that this trip was going to be a success. I knew that I had nothing to worry about, that, that I could feel the Father there. I could feel the Spirit there saying, I've got you. You didn't come this far to only come this far. Like, I'm here. This is going to be a great week. And, and when I tell you that week went, better than I could have expected. I got to hang out with a guy that's the governor of over a half million Belgians and have lunch with them. I got to go to a private meeting in a government building that only people that knew about it knew about it. And, you know, does that make sense? And in all of these things, it's like, you know, if you look at my life and if you look at the journey and where it started, the only way this is possible is God.
man. So awesome. I think, I think that there's so much here, like there's so much here to chew on. Um, you know, if people are listening to this, it's just gotta be so encouraging because not only did you go through like physical trauma, emotional trauma, financial trauma, I mean, literally like, it's like you run the gambit of all these things and then you receive prophetic words and, you know, you go through heartbreak and you go through some of these things, but you, you are able to lean, lean on the Lord the entire way. And, um, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing, man. Um, I'll tell you what, this has been awesome is as we're kind of getting ready to look at closing up the episode here. Is there anything that you would leave as like a final encouraging word for our, our, our listeners that might just be in a space where they're just, they're, they're, they're maybe trying to figure out like, Hey, you know, I go to church, you know, I'm good. You know, uh, there might be people listening to this that might have, uh, have had that experience. That was me a couple of years ago. We were talking about this before we jumped on in the studio here. Like I was that I was like, Hey, I'm good. You know, I've got work responsibilities. I've got different things going on. You know, I, I don't need to devote like my whole heart to Jesus. Like, I mean, I, I never really had that conscious thought, but my work was an idol for me, you know, like money was an idol for me. It was sure. like not, you know, there was never enough. Um, is there anything that you would say is a like a parting word or an encouraging word to people? If, if we're trying to talk to those people, like if we're trying to talk to me, like three, four yeah. years ago, what would you, what would you say? Yeah, I would say get plugged in, you know, join, join a connect group, join, join a group because the church doesn't just happen on Sunday. And I feel like yeah. that's, that's a word for somebody listening to this, that the church does not only happen on Sunday, right? Church can happen in a coffee shop. It can happen in your living rooms, open up your home to other people, you know, and, and really when the big shift started happening to me, it's when I started investing in other people. When I started thinking yeah. about other people outside of just me, because it's very easy to think about us. It's very easy to go to the, I'm good. Like, I'm just going to do me. But we're not called to do that. We're created for connection, guys. We're created to actually spread the word. And how can you spread the word if you're only by yourself? It's it's actually pretty impossible, you know, yeah. right? To, to, to share if you're not going to actually share. And so some big shifts for me were joining connect groups, right? And then when I, when I joined it and I kind of looked around the room and I kind of looked at other people, I started asking, you know, why not me? Why can't I lead a connect group? Why can't I start serving and, and helping people? And so uh, I would say pick something that's easy for you. Connect group doesn't have to be a Bible study necessarily. I think that every connect group should have prayer 100%. You should have some type of accountability, a group chat where you can connect with each other and check on each other. Um, there should be praise reports as well, not just praying, but hey, let's praise and let's you know be thankful and grateful for what's actually come to fruition that we've been praying for because the more you pray the more you can actually start checking some of those things off your list that actually came to fruition if that makes sense and so getting plugged into connect groups starting maybe your own connect group um and then you know get it get the U version app like i'm terrible at reading the bible like the physical like bible i'm terrible at it so this great app called Uversion. They've got Bible plans. You can, if you're a business guy like Brent and I, I do a lot of the entrepreneur ones and, and like, you know, how to, how to be better in business and put Christ first in your business. So there's, there's something there for everyone, but you don't necessarily have to, to look at it and say, you know, I'm giving 
too much, right? And and again, I think we get caught up in 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 those moments where we feel like we're giving too much of our time. But uh, honestly, there isn't too much time that you can give because you can't outgive God. And the more that you are serving, the more that you are investing in other people. And there's more than one way to tithe, guys. And I know that you want to give, you know, a tenth, right? A tithe is a tenth of your what you earn. And and I would even challenge you. I I really saw some big increase when we went over and above because that 10%, guys, that's the baseline. Okay, if you want to enter, if you want to enter into some some bigger levels, right, and bigger returns, because he says that he's going to give it some 10, some 15, some 100 fold. Well, you can maybe extend yourself. Maybe that's something you can do. Maybe, you know, give more. Maybe it's your time that you need to give more. So maybe you need to go serve and go volunteer. I serve in our kids department, right? I serve yeah. in on our next steps team, which is helping people find their next step. I serve on our host team where I'm greeting people at the door. So really understanding yourself, guys, self-awareness is a big piece of this. Um, there's some great tools and assessments that I've facilitated for a long time. Uh, there's the disc profile, take that. That'll kind of give you some context on how you're wired so you can kind of see, okay, am I more of an extrovert? Am I more of an introvert? And then that'll give you the ability to kind of decipher where can I actually use my gifts, my God-given gifts in the way that I show up? How can I actually contribute that to the body of Christ in some way? So those are kind of some tips that I would say is I would just kind of look at everything that you're doing because uh chances are you can probably do a little bit more um and i've even speaking to myself like i there's definitely more that i can do but until you actually recognize that and you see the value of creating connection and of bringing people to christ uh and it's a journey guys like i have a guy literally i've been coaching for five years he's been coming to my connect groups um he was a client i was helping him launch his first business and when i tell you five years later this guy you wouldn't even recognize him if you saw him five years earlier and that's not me that is all god but he used me as a conduit to reach that guy and he used me as a conduit to shift his mindset and to show him a better way and now he's witnessing to other people and that's truly what we're on this planet to do we are called for service we are called to share his word and we're called to uh, build be christ-like right and how do we be christ-like well we're positive in the face of adversity we're still joyful even though times are tough out there look at if you look at the news everything's tough doesn't matter what century we're talking about right so you decide what you consume and don't let those things consume you okay uh and so that's really my advice it's awesome hey Jordan, thanks again for being here today. Everyone, uh, make sure that you get a chance to check out the show notes because we'll make sure that if, if you want to read more about Jordan's background, he'll have a bio for me and we'll put that in the show notes and it'll be really good. Everyone, thank you for tuning in today. And until next time, we'll see you soon. Thank you for listening and thank you for watching.